Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Good morning, FCC. All those watching online, good morning. Seven days after Easter, let's see if anything's stuck. He is risen. Very good. That wasn't quite loud enough, so you have to hear my bad joke. Why did the golfer take an extra pair of pants to play golf? Casey got a hole in one. Come on. So actually, you guys did better than first service, so... So let me introduce myself. My name is Don Knapp. I'm the adult ministry pastor here. Jim is on uh, Easter, his Easter break. He's taking some time off. He'll be back next week. So um, let me open us in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you again for giving us this opportunity to come together to worship you. Because that's what we're here to do, Lord, is to bring you worship. And Lord, I just ask now as I give a message that I believe you've put on my heart, I ask that uh, it's not my words, but your words speaking through me, Lord. I ask for your blessing. I ask for the, hear, the ears that hear this message to apply it to their lives, Lord. Let it make a difference in Santa Maria. I praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we just finished Easter, and there's so many people here that think, okay, that's it. Right? We celebrate Easter. I'll see you in a year. But that's just the beginning of the story, right? That's just the beginning. We have... The resurrection and ascension is not the end, but the beginning of his church. And that's who we are. We're not a, we're not a building. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love our facilities. They're great facilities. But it's, the church is not this building. It's not any building. The church is us. And we are a, a blending of cultures. We're a blending of ethnic backgrounds. We're, we're a, a, a diverse group. And you ready for this one? Even different political views. Wow, what a shocker. But you know, we have one thing in common. We love Jesus Christ. And we have given him our heart. That's what makes his church. And we're going to be speaking from the book of Acts. And that's the, the book of Acts basically is the start of his church. It's the beginning of who we are. You know, and I want to ask you, as I'm, as I'm giving this message, I want you to ask yourself, who am I in God's kingdom? Because God's kingdom is already here. It's just not finished yet. It's already here. We have a role to play in God's kingdom. So I ask you, as I give this message, just to ask yourself, who am I? What's my role in God's kingdom here on earth? Now, I'm going to be speaking from the book of Acts. So let me give you a little bit of background from the book of Acts. And I'm going to do this because I have learned from a very hard lesson with my wife kicking me that uh, not everybody understands or has read through the book of the Bible. I learned this the hard way. I was leading a small group in Arizona, and um, I said something to the effect of really silly, oh, everybody knows the story of Moses. 
My wife kicked me and said, Dawn, not everybody knows the story of Moses. And I said, and again, something not smart, I said, oh, who here doesn't know the story of Moses? And I said it about just like that. How many people do you think raised their hands? Oh yeah, about five or six people raised their hands. They're like, oh, well, I, guess, I, guess, I guess I'm wrong. So let me give you a little background about the book of Acts. First off, it is a continuation of the gospel of Luke. Dr. Luke is now gonna be telling us how the church started and how it grew. And he tells us a lot about Paul at the time named Saul, but he talks about Paul. It's, the, it's not just the birth, but it's how, how we roll, right? It's how, how the church is supposed to grow, what we're supposed to look like. Now, Pentecost has already happened. And if you don't know what Pentecost is, it's when the Holy Spirit was given to us by God. And it basically, if you have given your heart to Christ, you have now the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you. That means the same power that Christ had in him is the same power you had in you. So I don't want to hear you say, oh, I can't do that. Jesus didn't come to the cross and go, I can't do that. No, he hung on the cross for us. So basically, Peter and John have been infused with the Holy Spirit and they're walking to the temple. And as they're walking to the temple, there's a lame beggar that has been there probably his whole life or what probably seems like his whole life. He can't walk. And as Peter and John walk by, he says to them, hey, hey, give me some money. Give me, help me out somehow. Well, Peter and John walk over to him and say, hey, man, dude, dude, I don't have any money. We got nothing, but we got something better for you than money. And they reach down, Peter reaches down, touches the lame beggar and pulls him to his feet. And he starts walking. Now, can you imagine you have been lame your whole life and now suddenly a man who you don't really know reaches down and picks you up and you are, you are healed. That man is ecstatic. He is screaming, he is yelling, he is making a fuss. Well, no, don't forget, this is church. We got to be quiet. So the guards and the Pharisees don't like it. So what do they do? Do they celebrate that the lame beggar is walking? Nope. They arrest Peter and John. <laughs> Sound familiar, right? So they throw Peter and John in prison. And the next day they call him out to question him. Now, let me read Acts 4. Uh, well, let me read Acts 4 through 4-7. Uh, because it says this. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. And this is the question they have. It says, by what power or what name do you do this? Now, I'm a retired police officer, and there's one thing I learned in court that all the lawyers always talked about, especially in front of a jury trial. Never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Now, I am sure these Pharisees, after they got Peter's answer, are going, why did we ask that question? Because here's Peter's answer. and starts in verse eight. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you now 
healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. It's the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, but there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The Pharisees must be thinking, oh, not Jesus again. I thought we got rid of him. They didn't expect that answer. And in fact, my message is going to concentrate on their response to Peter's answer. And their response is found in verses 13 and 14. It says here, when they saw the courage of Peter, now they being the council, the Pharisees, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Their reaction to Peter's reply was they called them unschooled and ordinary. Just so you know, they weren't giving them a compliment. The Pharisees were like the, the top theologians of the world. They had the entire Old Testament memorized. Uh, anybody got the Old Testament handy? Just want to take a look at how thick that thing was? The Pharisees had the whole thing memorized. So when they called them unschooled and ordinary, it was not a compliment. Here's a problem in our day and time. What do people call Christians today? You know, you may hear things like hypocrite, mean, cruel, argumentative, crabby. How often do we hear words like loving, caring, merciful, forgiving? That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear as Christians today. Now, these 12 men did more to challenge the world and change the world than anyone ever has except for Jesus. They changed the world. My question is, what can we do here in Santa Maria to change the world? My message is gonna focus on these men knew three things that made them different. And the whole point of the message is these three things that made them different are the same things we have right now with the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. There's nothing different than from them than we have today. We can make just as big as impact as anybody else. Now, I keep on saying 13 men changed the world, and I apologize because they were men, but this applies to men, women, young adults, children. The scriptures tell us that not one single group is, is, is set aside to preach the gospel. No, we are all set aside and put here for a purpose to share the gospel with those around us. So when I say men, so I don't get in trouble. Oh, and by the way, if you have a problem with my message, you want to text Jim Larrabee at FCC. <laughs> if you like my message, D-O-N-K at FCC, So what made these men different? What made these men different? Well, first off, they knew their Savior. They knew Jesus Christ. Verses, verse 10 says, 
Then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this stands, stands before you healed. They knew who Christ was. And how did they get to know him? They spent time with him. They ate with him. They slept with him. They walked with him. They spent time with him. How do we get to know people? You know, how many, anybody here dating right now? Okay, anybody remember what it's like when you get on the phone with the girl, your girlfriend or, and you say something and you talk for two hours? You know, I talk for five minutes on the phone with my wife and it's okay, honey, hang up. Hang up, honey, hang up, right? But that's how we get to know someone, right? It's that, it's that excitement of getting to know them. I remember when I was dating my wife, it was our first dinner date. We had gone on a couple lunch dates, but this was our first dinner date. And man, let me tell you, man, I only had eyes for my wife. And I take her to this place called the Hatch Cover. And they are known for their prime rib. You know that prime piece of prime rib? You know, that's raw. You know, give it a good precardial thump and it jumps up. You know, like that big, that thick. Man, they bring this thing to my table. And just as they bring our dinner, my wife starts talking about a soap opera. <laughs> Days of our lives. You know, the one that lasts, you know, that they, they start talking and, you know, that you watch a whole season and like two minutes has gone by, you know? And she talks for an hour and a half about the days of our lives. When she finishes talking, I realize I have not touched my prime rib. I mean, literally, I have not even taken a bite because I was so getting to know my wife. In fact, she even says to me after, she goes, are you gonna eat that? I gave my wife my prime rib. If you ever, if you had known my wife, she was like under, she's like five foot. And at the time weighed about a hundred pounds. She ate my prime rib too. So maybe she wasn't as into me as I was into her. But anyway, but that's how you get to know somebody, right? You spend time with them. How many of us talk to God a lot, but we never listen to God? Man, we got all kinds of requests, all kinds of things. And man, we're talking and talking. Have you ever known somebody like that where you you're, you're just want to get one word in? I just want to give you the answer if you stop talking. They spent their lives with him. And you know what, what it was too, is they just didn't spend their lives with him. Spending that time with him changed their lives. You know, I can, I can argue theology with you. I know there's a lot of men, there's some men here that are actually studying to get their doctorates. Jim's studying to get his PhD, his doctorate. And we can argue theology. Maybe, you know, our views might be different on some things, but you know what we can never argue about? How Christ has changed my life. You know, 20 some odd years ago, there was no doubt I was on my way to do a divorce. I was selfish. You guys have heard my story. If you haven't heard my story, I'll be more than happy to share it. I don't have time today. But I was well on my way to a divorce. Christ came into my life and I had just celebrated my 42nd anniversary. Now, that's, that's for my wife. She, you need to applaud my wife. She put up with me for a long time. 
we need to recognize that as we spend time with him, he can change our lives. He can put it the way he wants us to go. Take that selfishness out of our lives. Take that pride out of our lives. You know, these men were uneducated and ordinary. That's how they're described. But you know something they were doing that we can do here or here today too? They were living by the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying education isn't bad. I have an education. But you know, you can have a PhD in math, science, psychology, PhD in whatever, and not know the man, the God who answers all of our problems. You know, these men were living by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. How do we live by the Spirit? We live by the Spirit when, when we, we con are continually in His presence. When you make a decision, it, it's not based on what my friends think, what, what Joe thinks, what Sam thinks. It's based on what does God want me to do? And not because it's a set of rules that you have to follow. You don't have to start thinking about what commandment I need to follow. Or It's because you think, God loves me. I love God. How can I please him? That is living in the spirit. That's how you base your decisions. That's how we continually live in his presence. Now, these men were fishermen and lay people. But because they were living by the Spirit, they became theologians. They became great public speakers. But mostly they were men who served God with all their hearts. So what did these men have that was so different that made them such a difference in the world? And again, I can't reiterate, this is the same differences that we have in our lives today. So first off, these men knew the scriptures and they knew Christ's words. In his eloquent response to their question, why did you, how did you do this? Peter actually quotes Psalm 118. In verse 11, he says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. He quotes scripture. In our society today, the problem we have is we have an information explosion, but it's the wrong stuff. Now, I, I bet whoever has their phone handy, you can actually probably look up Scripture faster than I, would, than I can by opening my Bible. But the problem is, how many of us open up the Scripture verses except on Sunday morning? They knew the Scriptures. When I'm preparing my message, I can tell you this, I probably use Google, Blue Letter Bible, um, uh, oh, my cash guy, I'm drawing a blank on the... Uh, I, I use the internet a lot to research my message. But how many of you have to put locks on your kids' phones 
so they don't look up the wrong stuff. Anybody here made the mistake of entering a wrong word on accident on the internet and what you get back? We have a explosion of information, but it's the wrong stuff. Abraham Lincoln said, better to know the Bible than any other book. Why? Because he knew this is where we find all our answers. You know, this is God's word. You know, it's hard to imagine that this is God speaking to us, but it is. How many here have teenage kids? How many here have said something to their child, teenage boy, girl, and it just goes nothing? I mean, you get nothing. You know, you don't know nothing, right? They go talk to their best friend who tells them the exact same thing, and suddenly it's from God's lips. Mom, Dad, you know what I just found out? Oh my gosh. But that's how scripture is. Oh my gosh, this is our, you wanna know what to do with your failing marriage? It's right here. You know what to do with your struggle relationship with your, with your parents or, your, or somebody else? It's right here. Now, you know what the problem is? I don't like it, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna forgive them, it's not my fault. Our pride sneaks in, but this is the answer. You know, we're opening up a biblical counseling center. In fact, actually it's open. It's right next to the coffee shop. And you know why we call it the biblical counseling center? Because the scriptures, his word is sufficient to solve any, and I'm gonna say it, any and all of your problems. The answer is right here. You know, I also hear people tell me all the time, why do you read the Bible? It was written 4,000 years ago. It's not relevant. It doesn't, come on, we have, we have computers and we have cars. And let me ask you this. Do you think human nature has changed from 4,000 years ago to today? And guess what? The answers to the human nature 4,000 years ago is the same answer we get today. You know, most important thing it tells us why we should read it? It tells us the answer to the most important issue that faces us today. What we need to do to be saved. How do we have eternal life? Do you realize that you have the answer to every single person's problem in the world? Anybody here a football fanatic? Anybody here really depressed because football season isn't here yet? Heck, I'm even looking forward to the draft. (laughs) What do you see at the end zone just before they kick? Somebody holds up a sign. John 3 says, why? Because it's the answer to most everybody's problem who is sitting there watching it, including me, because I have to be reminded. John 16 through 18 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son But whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Anybody see a common word? Believe. If I was to say, hey, do you believe that chair is there? You wouldn't ask me to say, well, what do you mean by believe? What, what exactly do you mean? No, you'd say, yeah, I believe that chair is there. So why do we have such difficulty when I say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is your savior and he died for your sins? Well, exa- what, exactly what do you mean by believed? You know, do, do I have to? No, we all know what it means to believe. It's that simple. I shared the gospel message with a friend of mine. I won't tell you. And he said to me, it can't be that simple. Guess what? It is that simple. God didn't want to make it hard. It's that simple. I swear he must be up there going, oh my gosh, people, how much simpler can I make it? Come in. Lastly, the men knew where to find salvation. The Pharisees were teaching a false salvation, a salvation based on works. And you know what the scary part is? Do we do that today? Absolutely. We may not call it that, but we we creep it in there somehow. But these men were sharing True salvation found in our faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men which we must be saved. You know, I, I briefly touched on it just a moment ago, but we can follow a version of the gospel that can rob us of joy and rob those around us of the joy and the freedom that Christ wants to give us. I want to share a, a very quick story. Uh, again, I'll, I say it all, all the time but in case you're new here. I'm a retired police officer, and in my 30 years in law enforcement, I had to transport several people out to the county jail for various reasons. Now, I am driving a man out to the county jail, and... I'm listening to Caleb on the radio. And he says to me, hey, Sarge, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, sure, what, what, what do you want to ask me? And he says, you know, when I'm in prison, I do really, really well. He goes, I go to Bible studies, I read the word, I share the gospel message with other inmates. He says, man, I am, I am, I am on it. He goes, man, I, I am on it. He says, but when I get out of custody, I start falling. He says, I stop going to church. I stop reading my word. I stop reading the word. I stop praying. And he says, and now I'm on my way back to prison. And he says, I said, what do you want to ask me? 
Now, I had been saved at a church that I will say led towards, leaned towards the pharisaical side, leaned towards following the law. And I was believe I was following a false gospel at the time. I didn't know it, but he asked me, hey, Sarge, am I saved? My theology was to tell him, no, you ain't saved because you have habitual sin in your life. If you were saved, you could beat that sin. And you know, as I went to say that, I swear the Holy Spirit told me to keep my mouth shut. You know, I, I can't, I'm not allowed to use, if my grandson's here, I'm not allowed to use the S word. You know, shut, I won't finish the other one. I'm not allowed to say that. But that's what I heard the Holy Spirit tell me. Now, after first service, I was told to finish that story. I told him, of course you're saved. And then for the next four years, I struggled on what I believed. I struggled with, don't follow the rules. Well, I'm a police officer. If you don't follow the rules, what do you do? You get locked up. So I struggled for the next four or five years until I was introduced to a theology that I can't bring up here because if I do, there's people here who are gonna argue with me and I don't wanna argue with you. But if you wanna hear what my theology is regarding that, come and see me in my office. I'd love to talk to you about it. But it answered a lot of my questions for me. Somebody also asked me, do you know who that guy was? No, and I would ask it. If you're watching me on TV right now, if you're at home or even if you're here, I would love to talk to you because you changed my life. Galatians 1, 8 and 9 says, but if you, even if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again. Think this is important? By the way, this is back-to-back verses. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I was following a false gospel. And you know why I was following that false gospel? Because I had come to a saving faith in Christ by hearing the gospel message. And I gave my heart to Christ. But it didn't, it wasn't something I repeated to myself. It wasn't something I continually remembered. It was just something I did once, I'm done with that, and now I need to progress on. No, the gospel message is something we need to remind ourselves every single day. Because it's how, it's how people defeat their problems. It's how people who have addictions come out of their addictions. It's how people who have struggling with their marriages bring their marriages back together because they stop focusing on themselves and then they remember that Christ is what happened in our lives. We need to remember that we have all sinned, okay? This is, we've all sinned, not just Democrats, not just Republicans. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We didn't live a sinless life. Christ led a sinless life. If you think you haven't sinned today, I'm gonna fill that tub with water and we're gonna have you walk across it. 
he lived a sinless life so that he could be a sacrifice for our sins, past, present, and future. He died on the cross, not me. He died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. And here's something that I I actually get to do. He gives me a free gift and all I have to simply do is take it. He does all the work. He does everything. That's the gospel message. If you can take your focus off of yourself and say things like, oh, she stopped. She doesn't make me happy anymore. Oh, my work is dead. I'm sorry. My wife told me not to do that (laughs) after the last service. But take our focus off ourselves and put it where it belongs on Christ in heaven who is interceding on our behalf right now. He is where our focus needs to be. It's a free gift. We just simply have to take it. You know, in our world today, boy, you turn on the TV, whoo, right? If you watch, who watches the news here? I can't raise my hand because I don't watch the news. I really don't. In fact, it drives some of my friends crazy because they'll say, oh, hey, do you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know who to say. You know, they'll say, do you know what happened was, How can you not know? How can you not know that something happening 4,000 miles away? And you know what I tell them? There's not a thing I can do to change that. But what I can do is keep that fear from ruining what God wants me to do with my next door neighbor. What God wants me to do with the person that lives behind me. That is where my focus needs to be. Not on, and, and I, I pray daily for the people in Ukraine. I'm not, I'm not saying you just ignore that because there is suffering in the world, but I'm saying where you can make a difference are the people that you can re- put your hand right now and touch. Those are the people that you can make a difference with. You know, these men were able to tell people where to find true and everlasting salvation. And then my question to you is, are you sharing with those around you? The church is who we are. It's not this building. It's not a new building anywhere. It's us. We are his church. Where two or more are gathered in his name, there I am. And that's what he meant. It's not just for weddings, by the way. I get to quote that all the time at weddings, but that's not what it's for. It's for when you step out of these doors, you take Christ with you. We are his people and he died for us. You know, it's not how much education you have or don't have, how ordinary or extraordinary you are. It's who do people see in us? Who do people see in you? Who am I? And I'm talking to myself too. I'm not just, there are times I walk right by people because I don't want to deal with it. You know, I got a call on Saturday and I knew what it was. And I, you know how you can see, come on, who else has done this? You can see who's calling and you don't answer. 
Come on, I'm not the only one, right? You know, you just let it go to voice, you know, decline, you know, you push them that way instead of that way. I didn't want to answer the phone. And I tell you, I wrestled for probably three rings. I probably didn't answer it in the best way. All right. Hello. But we can be amazed when we just let him work through us. When we give him our hands, our feet, our heart, our eyes. You know, in Acts 4.13, it says the Pharisees were amazed by Peter and John. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. When people hear you speak, when they see your actions work home, do they see Jesus? Are they amazed at who you are? You know, people say to me all the time, how can you not be, well, whatever? God's got it. Not my responsibility. I've got my role, and it isn't to run this world. My role is to reach out to those I can touch, share the gospel with those around me. That's my role. But we can only do that if we take time to be with Christ. You've got to know him if you're going to share him. You've got to know who he is if you're going to share who he is. Develop a relationship with him. And then you only do that when you saturate your mind with his word. You want to know what he has to say? It's right here. It's right here. If you're asking questions about, you know, whether to put your, your family member in a home or not, the answer's here. But most importantly, it's not just a head knowledge because a lot of people have this memorized. Anybody know somebody has this memorized and they're as far from Christ as they could possibly be? Uh, we all know them, right? I used to be one. Prayerfully, right? right? I used to be one. Let that knowledge change who you are. Let the people around you see a difference. Your family, your children, your coworkers, let them see a difference. So when they say to you, man, what is different about you? You can be ready to share the gospel with them because they're gonna ask you because you're not the same person you were. You're different. And you get to say, Christ changed my life. And then you think, oh my gosh, what am I gonna say after that? You know what you do after that? Invite them to FCC. We'll take it from there. Carry the message of salvation to others during this dark and troubling time. God can and will use you to change this world. But it starts with your next door neighbor. It starts with your coworker. It starts with the person who just gave you the high five as you cut them off on the freeway. Or you cut them off. They cut you off. It starts in your heart and it goes out from there. Let me pray. God, I just want to thank you for the blessings you've given us, Lord. I just ask now that what made those 12 men different, we recognize it's the same thing that makes us different, Lord. We know you. We have your word. We can be with you. 
and we know where to find true salvation, Lord. We can make a difference in this world. We just have to simply let you use us. We just simply have to say yes. Lord, I just want to thank you again for allowing us to come here and to worship you because that's what it's all about. It's about bringing you praise and glory. Lord, I thank you for these men and women and the adults and children. And I ask that you continue to work your miracles on our lives. Thank you for the miracles we see and those miracles we don't see. Again, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.